and be seated. Thank you so much. That was a great prayer and a timely prayer because that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, obviously, is Jesus, I am yours all my days. And so, since that's the point of where we're going, and since that's the point of Christmas, I was one of those kids, I don't know if you were that way when you were young, but I was one of those people that I didn't want Christmas to end. Now, I had a very shallow view of Christmas because Christmas to me was an opportunity for my family to come together and to get presents. So that was my view. Now, I, I want to be very uplifting and encouraging to my family, but I grew up in a family where we were fragmented a lot. Uh, we, uh, they were very busy by life, busy by owning their own business. So you can imagine if you grew up in that environment that it, there's not a lot of time for family. Maybe you were in a family that was like that. That was not the family that I was like, that I was in. And so when you had those times together, as a young child, I remember everything slowing down and going, something is right about this. This is kind of the way it should be, but it didn't stay that way. I don't know if it did that for you, but that was just kind of the way it was for me. And then it was this opportunity, there was this excitement and build around it, and, and, and so I never wanted Christmas to be over. Some of us today that are older can't wait for Christmas to be over because it reminds us of pain and suffering and sorrow and those type of things. But when you look at it from a biblical perspective, and I just want to kind of dive in deep today in the Lord. When you look at it from a biblical perspective, it's like Pastor Sonny Holmes said, he said, Christmas is never over. For a believer, I, I just when he just said that statement, it just... It just ripped inside me in my spirit and something came alive and said, you know, you're right, Lord. Christmas is ne never over because Jesus came down to us, for us, to live within us, to express himself outside of us. And so with that being said, I thought it was powerful to look at really what the idea of Christmas is. Now, you know we've been in this series that he is not a baby in a manger anymore. And I want to jump ahead to next week because I have the word uh, of the year. You know, last year or this year, excuse me, was joy. Next year, I've already got the word and it's pretty excited. Robbie and I have I've been meeting on it and, and it's just pretty exciting to see what God is, is sharing. And y'all know the words that the Lord's given me year after year. Let's just be straight up and be truthful about it. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, somebody. You know it comes true. Just go ahead. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Here it comes. So I don't want to jump the gun. But what I will say is get a lot to look forward to next Sunday. But I want to say this. Since he's not a baby in a manger anymore, since Christmas never ends, because Christmas is not the story, it's part of the story that leads in. You can't divorce the baby that came in a feeding trough. You can't divorce that from the Christ hanging on the cross to the resurrected Christ ascending to the Father, sending His Spirit so that we can be the expression of who He is. Now, you cannot divorce Christmas from the whole story. But what I will say is this, is that since Christmas never ends, what does it look like for us? So let's go ahead. You got your phones, your iPad, your brand new iPad mini that you got for Christmas you're trying to show off. Go ahead with your bad self. I mean, glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to covet your stuff. I'm just saying that you ought to tithe it. That's what I'm saying. 
<laughs> Do you smell what the Spirit's cooking? All right, so y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That's because you're not right with the Lord and you don't watch WWE. All right, so uh, I, I, I just want you to say, so what does it look like? What does this look like that Christmas is never over? And this is what it looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now, we're going to look at some scripture today, so you better get your mind right, because we're going to go on a little journey. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Now, brothers, and I'm sorry, by the way, Tanner, I love you. Tanner's in the back. He's an awesome man of God. Tanner, I'm going to be everywhere. I just ask for forgiveness up front, and Jesus says you have to forgive me, so I love you too. All right, verse 1. Now, brothers... I want to clarify for you the what, saints? Well, three people. Hallelujah. I want to clarify for you the what? The gospel. Christmas never ends because of the gospel. Listen, let me break it down for you. Whatever you got going on in your life, when you really sell out for the Lord, that is, sell out for the Lord means I don't go try and do something for God. I let God do something in, well, never mind, in me. That's selling out. When I just, like, let go, when I just let go and let him take over, then all of a sudden, God begins to do something. I mean, I'm talking this. Sit back and let God stand up, somebody. Just, I'm talking, step back. And you know what you're thinking. Well, if I step back, it's going to all fall apart. Well, isn't it already? Oh, got quiet on me now. Now, brothers, I want you to clarify. I want to clarify for you uh, the gospel I proclaim to you. Proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. The gospel never ends because we receive it. Most people think this is receiving. I believe it. That's what they think receiving. No, no, no. Receiving is, is not just believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's receiving Him as... I'm going to talk to myself today. Y'all quiet. Y'all, y'all done ate too much. You done slept in too long. You've been watching Lifetime too much. You've been watching... Uh, ABC family that's changing over because they're trying to get a little hardcore, you know what I'm saying? Free form or whatever they want to do. They need to get free in Jesus. The gospel is never over because the gospel means we receive it. There's a reception that continues. There is a continual renewal every day. His mercies are new every morning. It's Christmas every day because of the Lord, because we can always have hope because of the gospel. Now, it's not just that the gospel is where we receive it, but the gospel, uh, Christmas never ends because the gospel is where we take our, come on somebody in verse 1, we take our what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We take our stand. We take our stand. God wants us to take our stand. So my point is this, is that some people stand on their family. Some people stand on their finances. Some people stand on their looks. Not me. Some people stand on whatever they got. Some people stand on their athletic ability, their, whatever their dreams and their hopes. But I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing like standing on Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Come on, Robbie. You couldn't sing like me. All other ground is... Mm. You got to take your stand. 
There has to come a day in, in our lives where we take a stand at our job. We can take a stand in our family. And let me tell you something. If nobody else in my family wants to stand with Jesus, I commit to you this. I will. I will. And if they walk, I won't. And if they go, I won't. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not going anywhere unless God tells me to go somewhere. And if God says go, it doesn't matter what demon in hell says no. I know this, that I'm going to go because I'd rather be in the sweet presence of Jesus than anybody else's arms. Because I'm going to tell you something, there ain't enough arms to fill me like Jesus. See, when you taste Jesus like that, you can't get enough. That's why the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, you take our stand. See, here's why the gospel is like Christmas. It doesn't end. It doesn't end because we receive it. We take our stand so we can't be standing on anything else. Stop standing on what you want to be and start standing on who Jesus is. All right, here we go. And look at verse 2. You are also what? Saved by it. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody done got saved. If you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believed it for what? For no purpose. If you believe the gospel for no purpose, then here's why people walk around. They try to make their purpose when the gospel defines their... Well, I'm just going to be a doctor. Well, why is your life so rough? Well, John, I know a lot of Christians, their lives are rough. You're exactly right. Their circumstances outside might be rough, but inside, they're having a Holy Ghost party. Because, see, the difference is, so I know when somebody's not called to something. You want to know why? Not only is it tough on the outside, but they are miserable on the what? Come on, somebody. They are miserable. Just tell the truth. Shame the devil. They are miserable. I'm not talking about lay miserables. You know what I'm talking about. I'm saying miserable. Don't go French on me. Some of y'all get it? I mean, it's absolutely, those are people, they got no, they got, listen, I'm telling you, no purpose, no purpose. I just don't know what I need to do. I just don't know, listen, I want to tell you what you need. Here's what I do. When I, the purpose that the Lord has for me is when I just rest in him. And here's what I know. The more powerfully I seek him, the more the fog is lifted and things begin to be clear. Now, I'm not saying that I get to see all the way out to the other side of the lake, but what I do get to see is what's right in front of me in the lake. And I just take another step, fog clears. Take another step, fog, the fog clears. Take another step, the fog clears. I mean, that's just the way it works because there is a purpose in the gospel. When the gospel, when you preach the gospel to yourself every day, when we do that, then all of a sudden there's a purpose in our lives. I know that God wants me to pastor. And if I stop pastoring, God's going to do what he wants to do, but he might just say, John, you're a little bit closer to my house than your house. Why don't you just come on home? Because if I am going to abort the purpose that God has for me, God is not going to leave me, neither is he going to forsake me, and God is not going to stop being faithful to me, but I just might be done with the assignment that he has for me. Hmm? Somebody. The gospel gives us purpose. Gospel gives us purpose, and you the world is going to try and cloud it. And emotions are going to try and cloud it. And your past is going to try. Come on. Let's go down to verse 9. Come on, somebody. Woo! Eat you some more cookies. Verse 9. Some people sin in this room because you didn't give me cookies. All right, verse 9. I'm not calling anybody out. You know what I mean? I wouldn't call anybody out. I wouldn't. The only cookies I got Christmas Eve was from the Christmases because they were Christmas spirit-filled cookies. Verse 9, for I am the least 
of the apostles. Look what Paul says. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I pers persecuted the church of God. But then something is going to happen. The gospel is going to step into his life in verse 10, and then he's going to say something like this. But by the grace, but by God's grace, I am what I am. Now here's what I'm trying to say, Popeye. What I want to say is this. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, what I want to say is this, that his past in verse 9 made him say, I am the least. His past said, I am unworthy. But when the gospel takes root inside of us, when the Spirit of God comes alive inside of us, then we stop thinking that we're the least and we stop focusing on ourselves. We stop focusing in on our unworthiness and we begin to look at how great God is. Come on. That is the change. See, when you have a purpose, you don't look at your past because what you do when you have a purpose is you look at the one who defines where you're going. You see, that's where we're going. See, that's what happens. That's why Christmas never ends. Is because I want you to know in this room is that we have a purpose, and our purpose is not what we think we are or who we think we are. Listen, let me break it down to you. Somebody said this, and I don't know who it is, but this is, whoo, this got me going this week. Doesn't take much to get me going. By the way, I got some confession I need to make about going. <sighs> let me just confess. Robbie, we confessed it backstage, didn't we? We had a Holy Ghost moment. So yesterday I went and worked out with my brother, who's 59, will willing to be 60 this year, and he is jacked. Like, I don't know what happened to him. Like, he can't be from my father. Something ain't right. I mean, I saw that man bench 385 14 times one time. That ain't bad, is it? 385 14 times in a row? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, anyway, he's pretty jacked. So my brother's crazy. So my, he said, he said, we're going we to work out. I said, all right, I don't really want to, you know what I'm saying, because there's still biscuits and gravy left. And he's on a paleo diet. I'm on a paleo. I don't know what you're saying. So I said, all right, let's go. So we go, he said, well, I got to give you something to give me a little bit of spark. I said, okay, James, let's go. So JD, he's he's with us, and my and 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 Zach Kurt, your son, is with us. Just go ahead and forgive me in the name of Jesus. And so, and and we go, and he says, let's stop by this. It's like a gold's gym called a phone. We stop by. He said, I gotta get me some coffee and I gotta get me a little C4. Now, the last time I checked, C4 is something they blow stuff up with. So he gets himself some coffee. I said, Oh Lord, I'm not getting that. So he goes over, we stop at his place. We don't even work out there. This is just a place to get the stuff to get us to the workout. So we pull out this big red juice manna from heaven. And I don't even know what it's called, but all I can say is it said, I began to read the label and it said that if you're 15 pounds overweight, don't drink it. I looked at Zach. And Zach looked at me. And he said, I'm drinking it. I said, me too. And then I looked at J.D. And J.D. said, it says 18 or over. I'm 18. I'm in. I said, don't tell your mother. And so I said, now my brother said, now look, you can't guzzle this. You just got to, it says, by the way, by the way, warning, warning, warning. Your body's going to burn. Your lips are going to begin to tingle. And all these things are going to begin to happen to you. Well, let me just tell you something. I had an out-of-body experience. So I began to drink that thing. I looked around. J.D. was lifting weights that I never even knew he could. 
Zach over there and all 280 pounds of him, he jumped rope for 25 minutes. I've never seen a 280 pounder jump rope for 25 minutes. But there was a lot of sweat going on. So he comes up to me, he says, it's hot in here. And before I could stop myself, i got to confess, my, before I could stop my, that, whatever that stuff was, it said, don't take if you got thyroid problems and if you're overweight and all. I was like, check, I got thyroid problems. Check, I'm overweight. Check, I got heart disease. I, I said, I'm going for it. And so anyway, don't do what I did. And so I say, I know. He says, it's hot in here. I'm like, yo, turn it up. Turn it up. Let's go. And it was like I was talking, but then like the Spirit was saying, you got to preach tomorrow. <laughs> Next thing you know, the people left their weights. I got mad. I'm like, who let I kick the dumbbells? I'm not lying, people. I said, who left their weights in here? Yeah, go ahead, say something to me. Did I, where's J.D.? I don't even know where he is. Center, center, winner, chicken dinner, where are you? He's in the back. Did I not, Jay? I'm yelling. I'm yelling. Go ahead, say something to me. Next thing you know, I'm punching away. I'm like, I looked at, my, I looked at them and I said, I'm going to hit somebody. And my brother goes, don't do that. I said, you're a lawyer. It'll work out. You know, let's do something. I mean, it, that stuff took me to the stratosphere. Don't do that stuff, people. That's not in God's purpose. I looked around by 5 o'clock. J.D. was like this. JD, huh? <laughs> His mama ripped me the whole way home. <laughs> so I confessed my sins. Oh, Lord, I'm fired. All right, so I was trying to say all that to say that wasn't part of the purpose. Like, I tried to make it my purpose. I said, all right, I, I need to get a little help because I'm tired. So I'm going to go work out. I need something to help me. Well, here's what's happened. Uh, sometimes that's what happens we do for the Lord. We want to try to help, but God says, no, I'm going to be the help. I'm going to be who you are, and you are now going to work inside of me. So what happens is the gospel defines who we are. But Paul kept saying, I'm unworthy. Like, you know, I'm drinking C4. I'm unworthy, you know. I I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. And so we listen to these things. This is jacked up in my life. This is wrong in my life. I don't look like this. I don't have this. All this other stuff. Listen, we are believers. It's not what we don't have, but it's who we... I'm just saying... And Paul, it flips in his mind in verse 10, but by, the, but by God's grace, I am what I am. See, somebody said this so powerfully. We don't become what we want. We become who we are. I'm going over here. I want to become a rocket scientist. Then why are you making D's in physics? You don't become what you want. You become who you are. I've seen people get way up in business and get in leadership. And the same way they got to the top is the same way they acted at the top. Crooked when they came in, crooked, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Crooked when they leave. Listen, we don't become what we want. We become who we are. I want to be a pro football player. God said, you ain't tall enough. God said, you ain't fast enough, you ain't strong enough. 
But that's what I want. See, I, I don't become what I want. I become who I am. But by the grace of God, I am. See, this is what he's saying to us, that if we flow in God's grace, if we flow in God's grace, then we become what he wants us to be, and we're not defined by the limitations of who we are. I'll show you this. I'll show you. Let me tell you, John Piper brought this to my mind. 1994, my favorite book outside the Bible is Future Grace by John Piper. Get it, read it, read it, read it. I reread it, reread it, read it. I, my, I, I beat that thing to shreds for years. I just can't get enough of it. But let me tell you something. Here's what happens. God's grace defines who we are. We are not what we used to be. We are not what we used to be. When we were saved and as we walk in God, we are continually transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are somebody new. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we are a new creation in who? In Christ. Old things are passed away. That means everything you thought you were and everything that I thought I was is not. I am now a new creature according to the gospel. So who I am now is in God and I become who he wants me to be, not by the limitations that I can only see. So watch this. This is where it gets great. This is where it gets powerful in the word of the Lord. All right, so let me just break some stuff down to you. This is by God's grace. Like, it's not, look at this, verse 10. Verse 10. But by God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not what, saints? Come on now, ineffective. Let me show you why God's grace is not ineffective. If we'll walk in this, it will transform our lives. It will change who we are. Watch how Paul wrote his letter. Oh, this is so good. Wait, wait, let me, wait, 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 let me, before I get there, let me just say this. Let me say this. So we think we're unworthy. We think we're this. Listen, we don't become what we want. We become who we are. And listen to this. Genesis chapter 3, God put the natural world under a curse. What did he say the ground is going to produce? Thorns and what? Thistles, right? The ground, listen, this is, the Piper even said this. This is beautiful. Futility. Anybody ever been frustrated? Mm-hmm. Okay, corruption. You ever been around corruption? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep, bad people getting ahead. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Here we go. Horror. Disease. Death. He said are all vivid pictures of the curse. We are reminded that there is a curse. And when we see those things, those are pictures that the curse still exists. But there's only one who can, who can destroy the curse. There's only one who can take away the curse. You see, Adam, when he sinned, he did not strike Eve. I want you to see something. When Eve sinned, she did not strike Adam. When they sin, they hit God. And where did they hit him? I love Pipers. In the heart. Listen, 1 Samuel 2.25. Watch this. It's going to be right here. You don't have to turn there. Stay, in, stay, stay where you are because we're getting ready to turn. Here we go. 1 Samuel 2.25. If a man sins against another man, God may what? Mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? 
Who can stand between God and man? See, if I sin against Lynette, then God might change Lynette's heart to forgive me. God might change my heart to then change towards her. But if I sin against the Lord, who can intercede? Can I intercede for you? No. Can you intercede for me? No. We cannot meet the gap that is divided against us because of our sin. But there is one who can do it. There is one who can stand and intercede. This is where Jesus stepped in and he did not See, when I sinned, I was in a place of rejection. Adam and Eve, out of the presence of God. You have to leave the garden. The place of rejection. But because of that gap, and I can't intercede, Jesus came, come on Christmas, Jesus came towards us, came to us to live within us, and now He always, Romans 8 somebody, lives to intercede, come on somebody, for us, thereby I am no longer rejected, and but by God's grace, I am what I am. Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ did what? Yeah. See, we're no longer rejected. He came to us every other. Listen, I've been to the Hindu temple. I, I've been with Falun Gong. I, I've been with Hare Krishna. I've been to New Age weddings. I've been to the Wiccan State Office in Florida. I've been with warlocks. I've been with those people. I, I'm tell, I've been there where they're getting their spells. I've been there where they get all their elements to draw. I've been there and met with them and done that. I've been with in a mosque. I've been with the, with the, with the, with the, the imam from Damascus. Been with them. And I'm going to tell you something. Every other religion that I have intensely studied, whether it's Satanism to anything else, and all those things that I had to do through seminary, and be a part with those people, and can tell you the locations in Charleston, in the area, and to Florida, and wherever else where they are. Let me tell you something. It's always God going to man. But only in Christianity is God coming to us. Galatians 3, 13-14. But God, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. Right, excuse me, why we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Christ came and became for us what we could not become for ourselves, but by the grace of God. I know you might feel ineffective, Paul. I know you might feel unworthy, Paul. I know that you feel like you persecuted the church of God and witnessed and gave a credit to their death. But let me just say this. What God says you are is who you become. Not what your emotions say is what you become. Verse 14, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the presence of God. He is with us always. 
We are not. We have, a, we have that purpose built in that we take our stand. Take your stand on the gospel. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how grace works. Are you ready, Robbie? I want you, if you don't mind, come play over me, man. Just come play over me. I want to show you how grace works. And I, I listened to this by Piper, and I went, oh, my word. You know, and I've read this. I've read this a thousand times and seen it. But I like the way as I was going through scriptures, and he, he was going through them, and I was going back to them and saying this stuff. You see that God's grace was not ineffective. His God's grace in, in first, excuse me, yes, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. If we go back to that, we see something there. But by God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not ineffective. How is God's grace toward us right now not ineffective? Because you might be saying, but John, nothing's changed. I don't feel different. Circumstances hadn't changed. Things don't change. People don't change. I'm going to tell you what I'm realizing in, in my walk with Christ. God rarely changes people around me, but he will change me. He will change me. But my, the only way that he's going to change me is the Bible says that that is the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 and 2 that I take my stand that means I stand and say God here I am do whatever I'm going to focus on your word I'm going to focus on prayer and whatever opportunities you give me I'm going to walk through the door and if you don't want me to go through it then you just stop it because I can only do what your grace gives me the ability to do your favor and your power are wrapped up in the word grace. Favor and power. It's in grace. So I want you to see how this happens. I want to prove to you something. Now, I want you to go to, let's look at some of Paul's letters. I think Paul, as you know, is an, is an amazing man who experienced a mighty grace a work of God in his life. He experienced the favor, that is the presence of God, and to experience the presence of God, you have the power. Now he wrote 13 books uh, in there in the New Testament out of the 27 books that we have in the New Testament. So really, write it half, but let me show you. Go back to Romans chapter 1. I want to show you something, saints. Come on now. Let's, do, let's, get, let's get the Bibles out. Let's get your phones out. Let's do something. And if you don't have one, get close to somebody where you can cheat. It'll be all right. It's all legal under the blood. Don't take that in the classroom. Romans 1, verse 7. Romans 1, verse 7. Check this stuff out. This will blow your mind. Romans 1, verse 7. To all the saints who are in Rome, loved by God, called the saints. Grace, what saints? I didn't hear you. Grace, what? All right, now, uh, here's, here's, we're going to see something. This is where you're going to stand. Come on, somebody. We're going to stand in the grace of God. He says grace to you. But watch the end of Romans 16. Go to Romans 16. Look there in verse 20. And Robbie, this is where it gets good. Romans 1, verse 7, he says grace what? To you. Verse 20, Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be what? All right now. The beginning of his book, he says grace to you. At the end of his book, he says grace what? Well, I, let's just see. First Corinthians. Let's just keep going here, family. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says grace what? 
grace to you. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 16, the last chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 23. Let's see what it says there. The grace of the Lord Jesus be what? All right, so now we got two books. Grace to you, Robbie, in the beginning. And at the end, grace with you. Oh, let's keep going. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace what? Yeah, just take a guess. You're going to get this pattern. Grace to you. Let's go to the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13, 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be what? With. Be with. Not just to, but with. Let's keep going. Galatians 1, 3. Galatians 1, 3. Grace what? To you. Here we go. Galatians 6, 18. Galatians 6, 18. Brothers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be what? I think you're starting to see something here. Ephesians 1, 2. Ephesians 1, 2. Grace what? All right. Ephesians 6, 24. Grace be what? There you go. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me keep reading a little bit. Let's, let me go to uh, Philippians 1, 2. Grace to you. Philippians 4, 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Uh, Colossians 1, 2. To the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers, grace to you. Uh, Colossians 4, 18. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 1. Grace to you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 28 says this. Um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 2 Thessalonians 1, 2. Grace to you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 18 says this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Do you see anything in Scripture here? He says at the beginning of his word, my grace is coming to you. Ha, ha, ha. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When you open your Bible, somebody, when you open your Bible, I didn't say read a commentary about what somebody else says. Listen, I love my utmost for his highest. I love devotionals. But devotionals do not take the place of Scripture. Hello? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you open up the Word of God, and I open up the Word of God, God's grace is coming to us. It's a reminder that Jesus came to us. It doesn't matter where you are, how far you're gone, how high you're up, how low you're down. It doesn't matter. Grace comes to us. Doesn't matter where you are. Grace to you. But here's what happens. When we get done reading the Word of God, when we get done reading the last chapter in that book paul closes and says listen even though god's word in this chapter is over his grace is his grace isn't over his grace isn't over his grace is not over grace with you grace is with you his presence his favor his power is with you 
the grace of God, even when I close up my Bible today and I stop reading my Bible, the Bible is not stopped being with me because the grace of God is with me. It's not just to me, it is He is with me. And you know what's awesome about God's grace to me? It means there's nothing that I can do to earn His grace. There's nothing I can do to get His grace. And God is not dependent. He's so self-sufficient that He doesn't need me to do anything. But because of His overflow of His goodness, He is sending His grace to me. And His grace is so powerful that His grace goes with me. Robbie, no matter where you go up or down, right or left, His grace is with you. Now, can you and I grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Hello, somebody. So what happens is, when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, here's what happens. It's not so much that we're losing His favor, we're just backing away and pushing away His favor. His favor doesn't stop coming to us, we just stop receiving it. So guess what God wanted me to show you today? Christmas isn't over. Because of the gospel. And I preach the gospel to myself. When I am lonely, when I am hurting, when I'm afraid, when I don't know what's going to happen, I preach the gospel to me. God, you said, and on your word, I take my stand and I say, on the gospel of 1 Corinthians 15, I am standing, and in verse 10, it is not effective. Your grace is at work. And by the way, when I'm weak, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, by the way, when I'm weak, your grace is more than enough, somebody. So, do you need His grace as a believer? I don't have to preach a New Year's sermon, even though I am next Sunday. I'm going to give you the word of the Lord, what the word of the year is. And you know God's been spot on for the last couple of years, hasn't it, Kevin? Come on. Already got it. Been at it. But I'm going to tell you, we can't walk through that word without this message. His grace is not just to you. His grace is with you if you're willing to let him be it. And I didn't say your emotions aren't going to run high and your emotions aren't going to run low. There'll be days you want to quit. There'll be days where you're done. There'll be days you feel like you can't even shed another tear. But I want to tell you something. Even when you shed your last tear, the grace of God is so strong inside you, He will pick you up by your bootstraps, and you'll take another step. Though you might walk with a limp, Jacob. Though you might walk with a limp, Israel. Here's what's going to happen. You and I might walk with a limp, but we'll never be the same. God's grace has not only come to us, Thank you, Jesus, for coming to die. A little child coming to be beaten and slapped and hair pulled and punched and whipped and breaking your heart for us. Thank you for coming to us. But thank you more than anything else that you stay with us. And He's with you. You might be the only one, but it's not God plus you who's the majority. He is the majority. He doesn't need us, but man, do we need Him. Do you need to pray today and ask God, God, I need you to be with me in what? If you stay in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 15, here's what's going to happen in your life. You're never going to step out. You know why, Robbie, why people don't step out? 
People don't step out because they're afraid if they mess up, they'll never get back. If you and I live like that as believers, if we don't step out because we're afraid that if we make a wrong decision, that it'll blow everything up, I want to tell you something. If that's the way that John Davis lives, then I don't believe grace is with me. Uh-huh, come on. Uh, some of us got to start taking some chances. Well, John, what if I mess up? So, God calls us all things to work together for good. Why? Because His grace is with us, not just to us. See, most of us think Jesus came to us. You know what we ought to start doing? We ought to start walking with Jesus. Day by day, moment by moment, preaching the gospel that He came to us so we have His presence. We have His righteousness. We have His favor. We have His hope. We have His future. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are chosen. We are sanctified. We are set apart. And God has a purpose because His grace is not ineffective. And it's not ineffective because it didn't just come to us. It is with us. Why don't you let God be effective in our lives today? You need to ask Him? That's why we always, we always have a time of faith. Why? I'd be pretty sorry if I preached faith and never ask anybody to respond to it. Lord, that's my prayer today. My prayer right now in this room. Christmas never ends because of the gospel. The gospel of grace to us, the gospel of grace with us. So there's some people in this room, tell the truth. Tell the truth, Lord. Just come on. You are the truth, and the truth will set us free. We need some. We need you to be with us. We need some grace. We need some favor. We need some power. We need some strength. We need some direction. We need some hope. We need you to work in this situation. Oh, God, we can't take away the sorrow, but we can go to the man of sorrows who will take it upon himself. Lord, we know there's some people in this room who need some grace, and I, for one, need it now. And I'm holding you to your word, Lord. I'm holding you to your word. I don't feel like I'm back talking to you. I feel like I'm just being real. Lord, I need, I need some grace. I need your grace with me. I need your grace with every decision, with every focus, with every plan. God, I need your grace now. Have mercy. You said it in your word. You closed. Every time we close the Bible, that doesn't mean your word is, is not effective because your word doesn't, doesn't return void because the grace of God goes with us. Your presence is with us. So I don't know, Lord, if they need grace because of a broken heart or they need grace because their family's jacked up or they need grace because, Lord, they don't know what decision they need to make or they need grace because they're praying for a family member's salvation or they need grace in this, they need grace in this, they need grace in this. I want you to know something, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so, God, I don't look and say I'm ineffective. I look to the one who is effective and I say, Lord, let your grace work in and through me. Here I am. So, Lord, who today just come forward and say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And, Lord, you'll just destroy the fear of the devil. Destroy it. You destroy what we're afraid of. We're afraid we can never recover if we make a bad decision. And, Lord, if we can't recover, then your grace isn't with us. And you're not a liar. So somebody in the room is lying. And if it's not you, it's me. So I'm sorry that I doubt you. Sorry that I don't believe you. 
I'm sorry, Lord, that I think you'll do it for somebody else and not for me. I'm sorry that I don't let you take over. I'm sorry that I doubt you so much that I believe Christmas is a holiday and not a relationship. Please send your grace upon this place. Transform us. Explode your grace, Lord. Explode, Lord. We got our hands open. Explode. Explode it over the families. Explode it over the people. Explode it over their children. Explode it over them, Lord. Explode your grace. You are with us. And there might be a valley, but that valley doesn't stop us because you're with us. Because you said we go through. You didn't say we're stuck. That's our prayer. And I pray if there's anyone in this room who's never, ever surrendered, wreck them, Lord. Just wreck their heart. And I pray that their hearts will be wrecked so much that they won't worry about their response publicly and the shame that the enemy tries to put in their heart to make them high, that they'll be wrecked so much that they come running to you. Pray that they would repent and trust and start walking and start being discipled and start discipling and start living in community and start transforming their circumstances by the God of grace with them. In Jesus' name I pray.